Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, let me personally take this opportunity to say happy Easter to all of you on behalf of my wife, our family, our staff team here, all of the Milestone family, and especially if you're our guest, we want to say happy Easter, and it's such an exciting time to be together and to worship the risen Jesus. Are you guys excited about Easter? Isn't it awesome? Already been amazing. I want to welcome all those that are watching online. Welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus. We have people watching in video venues here at the Keller campus. A tent. We have all kinds of ways that people are enjoying Easter, but really we're all one church family enjoying it in different ways. So would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us. You know, I... Some of you may or may not know this, but I started as a senior pastor at 21 years old. It was a wild set of circumstances that I ended up as the pastor of a church at that young of an age. I didn't say I was a good pastor, I just said like I was one. So I've done a lot of, a lot of Easter services, and over the last several years we've had a lot of services here at Milestone, and so a lot of times what you try to do is you try to use an intriguing way to get your attention and get you moving toward what I would ultimately want you to, to kind of come to a conclusion about. And as I started praying about this Easter, I thought I might just do it a little different and tell you up front what I'd like you to experience. Because I think we live in a world today where we've got a lot competing for our attention and we don't really like getting sold, so I thought I wouldn't try to sell you, I'd just tell you up front that as a pastor who's done a lot of Easter services, but also just a lot of services in general, met with a lot of different people, been with different people at different phases of life, I've learned something that I've heard repeated over and over, and I'd like us to spend a few moments talking about it. And that is that when you come to a place where you encounter the real Jesus, I'm not talking about the Jesus that somebody in your family wants to portray to you that maybe isn't the real Jesus or maybe some religious ideology or, or, or something that maybe is based on someone else's experience. But what I've seen when I have a chance to share this Jesus with someone, what I found is when you experience him for real, and, and you really personalize it and it becomes a real relationship, here's what I've seen that happens. Most of the time, they leave that experience saying, I feel like a burden has been lifted off of me. I feel lighter. I feel like the burdens of life have been lifted off. So as I started praying about this Easter, I thought, well, there's a lot of aspects to Jesus. That's not the only thing he does. He's, he's way better than you can expect. But he is a burden lifter. He, he's a load lifter. He's, a, he's one who can walk out real life with you. I thought, if you could leave this Easter lighter, what a blessing that would be. 
So that's our, that's our main goal together. I'm just putting it out there up front. By the way, it's really good because you know Jesus, again, everything in our world is becoming more complex, more expensive. Have you filled up your gas tank lately? More in short supply, harder, more difficult. We're all more busy. And Jesus, what he offers, by the way, it's not cheap. A great price was paid for it, but it is free. In our world, as it becomes more complex, we find ourselves more burdened, more anxious, more depressed. It's just the world we live in. By the way, I think we are gifted as a culture to make things that are supposed to be simple more complex because we want to like one up where we've been. It's just kind of how we are. I'll give you a few examples. Last year, I married off my oldest daughter. Weddings have always been burdensome for the dad who's paying for it and very burdensome for the moms and everybody involved because, you know, you got a lot going on in a wedding. But I'm going to tell you, it's another level now. You guys just need to prepare for it, all right? I've been sharing this everywhere I go because it just helps people. Used to, a wedding was, here's a church, here's a steeple, open the doors, there's a few people. And there's a pastor and there's some attendants and you got to sign a document and there's some mints and nuts in the fellowship hall and a cake. It's not that way anymore. It's a venue. And it now has four coordinators. And you have to have fireworks and stuff now. I don't know if y'all know that, okay? Now, let me tell you, another thing has become more complex. This is one of the pet, this is a tough area for me, if y'all could give me some group therapy. Family photos. We're trying to help you this Easter, by the way, at all our places where people, we've got a little photo place. We're trying to help you. You know, mom, you had to get them ready. We're trying to help you out. You just get a photo. Dads, you know you like it because you ate this. I mean, this is brutal, right? I mean, before family photos, when I was growing up, was going to Sears, or Olin Mills. You didn't have to get a setting to go to, a field with flowers. You just pulled down a different bag. You're in the field. If you wanted to look smart, you just pull down a library. You'd be like, I graduated. I mean, that's all you had to do. Not now. A few years ago, I went to get our family photos. We were by a moat in Irving. I didn't even know they had like a river running through Irving. There's a dog running around. My kids are going crazy. There's some guy on a boat. There's a guy like Venice, you know, like playing music and going down. He's about to propose to his fiance on the boat. I'm over here on the threshold of hell doing family photos. I looked out at that guy. I said, don't do it, brother. If you do, this is where it ends up. Easter's become more complicated. Man, my house has been like a fashion studio, a bakery, getting prepared for Easter. My youngest brought me an Easter list. I'm like, the Easter bunny doesn't have a toy shop? What do you mean, you don't get it? That's Santa Claus. We're trying to, trying to celebrate the resurrection here. I mean, what are you doing? Come on. We just make things more burdensome and everybody I know is busy and everybody I know is tired and anxious. I want you to lead more light. That's my goal. Jesus is a burden lifter. I want us to look at the Easter story and I want to look at the promise from Jesus. I'm going to come back to you and talk about it. Watch this with me. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to talk to you about the story of Easter and what I'm really excited about as well is talking about how it 
really impacts our personal lives and your personal life. But first of all, we need to ask the question, what happened on Easter and the days leading up to Easter? You know, the whole Bible is leading to this moment. It's the desire of God. It's the theme of Scripture. And it's all centered around the life of Jesus. And we see in the Gospels His story. But really, this final moment, this reason we celebrate on this beautiful Easter time is really the story starts to intensify when Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas was one of his disciples, one of his close friends. It's why the story makes you say, why would his friend actually sell him out? Maybe you've experienced betrayal. Jesus has experienced everything we've ever experienced. And yet also we we continue to see how Jesus begins to experience and take on things that you find yourself saying, why is that happening to him? He was arrested even though he was innocent. He, he was accused and beaten by the high priest, by, by the people who were supposed to represent God to people. They were the ones doing the beating of Jesus. And then a crowd of people, they cry out, crucify him. You know, the same crowd of people who just a week earlier were worshiping and saying he's the one who saves. There's a criminal and there's Jesus and the true criminal who had committed the true crimes. They let him go and Jesus then is the one that they cry out to be crucified. The Roman soldiers, they mocked him, they beat him, they cast lots for his clothes. And he spent six hours in the most agonizing way to die that anyone could ever experience. He spent six hours on a cross, crucified, out in the public to be seen by all. And the Bible says, in fact, that in that final moment, as he takes our sin, he takes the weight of all humanity's failures and sin upon himself. The Bible says that the sky grows dark, An earthquake is there, but most of all, I always am drawn to that moment where he says, to God his Father, he says, why have you forsaken me? And he breathes his last as he proclaimed it would be finished in that moment. And yet, the story turns to hope. The reason we celebrate Easter is all other religious figures cannot claim this. They are dead. These women went to anoint his body to to prepare him for burial, so to speak, put some spices there. And the angel said to the women when they got to the tomb, there's a sealed stone, it's been rolled away. And they, the, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. So you may have heard that story before, you may have heard parts of it, you may have never heard it at all, but the real question that we need to ask ourselves this Easter is, what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for my life? Well, it's a long explanation of a lot of different things, but if I were to make it really simple, I thought of just a few things. First of all, that without Jesus, you're lost, you're, you're wandering, you, you need rescued, The Bible says he's our savior, so because he died on the cross, rose from the dead, he comes to save us from our sin, from our mess, from our life, from what we naturally end up at. He also comes and helps us with our guilt because we 
are all guilty. I tell people, why do you feel guilty? Because you are guilty and we carry a bag full of guilt. And then Jesus comes to say, I took all your guilt, all your shame upon me, so now you can be forgiven. He, he paid a price that we couldn't pay. Here, here's a great hope, okay? We're all dead. Death has power over us. We're dead in sin, meaning there's death around our life in our everyday life. And then for eternity, we're separated from God, away from Him. That, that's the, the, the amazing thing about what Jesus did by overcoming death in the grave. We now can move from death here on earth to also life here on earth, abundant life. We move from eternity in a place of death to, a, to eternity, which we'll all live forever, eternity where we experience life. Th those are some basic things that we see. The Bible calls this story of Easter the gospel, meaning it's good news. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but Jesus gives it to us as a gift. But I thought we might focus on something that I found in 27 years doing Easter services. Here's what I found when someone receives this person, Jesus, not an ideology. He's alive today because he rose from the dead. When they receive him, here's what I've seen happen over and over and over. And that is they say, when I receive Christ, they, they begin to understand these other elements. It's this, a simple reality. I feel lighter. I, I feel free. I, I feel like a burden has been lifted off when I receive his gift. When I stop thinking I have to earn it or prove it, I feel lighter. And I was just praying for you and thinking about Easter and thinking about how many times I've heard that and how much I want that for you. And the reason I can pray that for you desire that for you is because Jesus actually said that. These are his own words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I begin to think about burdens and weights and how you may have come to Easter wanting to celebrate, wanting to please your family, wanting your kids to have a good time, wanting your friends to, to connect somehow or to just have a good holiday but you're burdened. I begin to think about how life is, especially how we do it. You know, we there's just there's just burden to life. I've got a job, I've got kids, I've got responsibilities, I have bills, and but then what happens is I then add some other burdens. You know, I I start having stress in my work, or I start having maybe some depression that I haven't dealt with, or I. I have things I didn't expect, but, but what I learned is, is that, that, that without Jesus, we can still kind of balance it sometimes. We're pretty good at this, actually. We kind of take pride in, I'm balancing my schedule. I'm handling my problems. I'm putting on a good face. And, and we learn how to carry burdens by ourselves. But what I've seen as a pastor, I've seen in my own life is, it's not the things that you've learned how to carry that really cause things to crumble. It's that which you don't expect. When you get a sick parent or a challenge with a child that you didn't expect or you start having greater burdens at work or maybe lose your job or you start really dealing with a health issue, what happens is then it, it, just, it just starts kind of compounding and now everything's out of whack. And before you know it, it's... It's all just 
sort of in a mess. And our, our souls are tied up in knots. We're having trouble sleeping. We're having to figure out how to find ways to medicate the burdens we carry. Those end up in more problems. We hurt the ones that we love. And, and I just believe that for the rest of our time here this Easter, I'd like to talk to you about this, this verse. I want to read the whole thing to you. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And I want us to really zone in on this, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. What a powerful promise. Let's talk about that and how it's available to us. What I love about that passage, Jesus' own words, is that when I talk with people, a lot of times they feel like Jesus is just this sort of ancient figure, you know, moral teacher, rabbi, religious figure that doesn't understand us. But I think this passage just, it's like, like hundreds of years, thousands of years later, Jesus because he created us, because he knows us, because he loves us, it's like he just like reaches down out of heaven and goes, I'm gonna touch right where you are. I don't know if you know anyone like what Jesus is saying, or maybe it's you, tired. Everybody I know is tired, burdened. Do you have burdens today that you're like, how do I get these off my shoulders? I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world. I'm tired, I'm burdened, and Jesus's promise is, come to me and you'll have rest in your soul. Now Jesus is using a word there, the soul, that we don't really use. We don't know a lot of times what that is. Well, the soul is the deepest part of you. What you see will turn to dust, but the you will live forever. That's why when you have a birthday, someone asks you as you're getting older, which I'm looking at many of you in the room right now and probably there watching across the camera, you're aging before my eyes right now. You're getting older and older and older, yeah. And you have a birthday and somebody goes, well, how do you feel? And you're like, well, I feel like I'm 25. I feel like I could wrestle a bear, but your bones and muscles don't want to cooperate. Anybody getting older, y'all know what I'm saying. It's like, but inside the me, I'm still what I used to be. And that's because he says, I'm going to give you rest at the deepest part of who you actually are. And that's the promise that I make. And I find this a lot as a pastor, just a window into just meeting and talking and praying with people. Since I was a young man, what I've done is live with people and Hear the burdens. I spoke with a guy this last week. He said, I don't know how my life ended up here. I'm burdened. I've had my marriage fall apart. I've got a 15-year-old son that I now live in a different city from him, and I'm, I'm burdened about it, and I don't know how to fix it, and I don't know what to do, and I got these problems and challenges. We have stuff that we're carrying that other people know we're carrying, but we also have burdens that we're carrying that we haven't told anyone. We have stuff that's just weighing on the inside of us. This guy actually told me, he said, I've learned that a lot of my problems are I had a troubled childhood and I didn't share with anyone a lot of the things I walked through and inside I believed a lie that I'm not even worthy for God to do something great and I've realized that's resulted in these problems. 
I could go on and on. Another person that's a friend of mine walking through some challenges with a child. You know, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child and you have a child that's walking through things and you feel burdened for the people that you love. And a lot of times the way we handle it is we just kind of stuff it and we keep carrying it and no one's gonna help me with this. And so what happens is the weight, the weight, the weight, and then you're like, I'm a little off. Oh no, I'm really in trouble. And that's why we live in a world today where anxiety, depression, and burden is at an all-time high because we don't know how to get rest for our souls. I love the message paraphrase. I read it to you from scripture, but this is a paraphrase of a man who paraphrased the Bible so his children could understand what the Bible's saying. It's in the message, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? By the way, Religion only makes you more burdened because it promises something that it can't deliver and so you don't even know the rules, you don't even know how to hit the target, so you try to do all the religious stuff. Let me, let me say to you, if you move toward religion without relationship with Jesus, you just feel obligated to meet requirements that you don't know how to meet and you end up more burdened and you end up ultimately quitting. You will quit on religion because you don't know how to meet the standards. He says, look, let me tell you how to do it. Come to me, come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You know, you can take a vacation and still be tired. You can take a nap and still need rest because you need rest in your soul. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learned, I love this, the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the grace that I wanna distribute to you. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, I love this phrase. You'll learn to live, this is my prayer for you this Easter. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. You're like, the only people that live freely and lightly are the people that have no problems. No, Jesus is saying it's the people that know how to do life with him, who's carrying the burdens. You say, how does Jesus give rest for our souls? Let me give you a few ways before I pray for you. Number one, we've gotta deal with this internal guilt thing, this, this obligation thing, this, this thing on the inside of us. We've, we've got the guilt from what we've done that we haven't told anyone, which makes us feel like an imposter. We've got the guilt from the stuff that we know we have done, that others know we have done. We know those things and we have all of that. And then we have the expectations of others. Like we know how to make each other feel guilty. One of my favorite guilt things in our world today is the Evite. Come on, you've gotten one. Talk about how to feel guilty. You get the Evite. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like your in-laws and outlaws. You have to reply yes to those. But I'm talking about like the extended things that you don't feel obligated, you know, like, but you do feel a little bit because it's like at the kid's school or they might say this and so you've got the little Evite and it, they send it to you and it's like yes, no, or maybe. Come on now, let's be honest in church. You wanna say no. You don't wanna go. But you can't say no because then they'll like immediately be like, who are talking about? I can't believe. And then it actually posts, no, they're not coming to all your friends. And it's like, and they said no so fast, so they must not be a very nice person. So then you check maybe, but then you have to put a comment as to why you're not coming. And now you're gonna feel guilty because you're gonna lie and act like you have another obligation, but you don't. 
You just don't wanna go. But you feel obligated. So now we've got all the expectations of our friends, the stuff we're carrying, and, and I like to think of it this way, we end up with a stain, the stain of sin, the stain on our clothes that we can't get out. Now I'm not much of a fashion person, my wife bought this purple shirt. My wife bought this for me. I'm really not a big fashion person. I just kind of wear what they tell me to wear. In my private life, I have a few casual shirts and I have a few black polos because big men wear black, makes you look thin. If you wear light with like a, a you know, some kind of check on it, you look like a tablecloth. But anyway, so I have, <laughs> it's actually true. I have a few black, you know, Anybody got a favorite shirt? You know, I have a few favorite shirts. It's like I feel good in them. I feel powerful. I like them. And we were eating this soup the other day that had oil in it. And I got it on my black shirt. And, and it's like, man, it's my favorite shirt. I mean, I've had it for like 10 years. I mean, the armpits got so much deodorant stuck in them that they're stiff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, this is my favorite shirt. And I'm like, my wife's like, no, it's, it's retired. I'm like, can we, can we use like a Tide pin on it? Can we, can we salvage it? She's like, no, it's over. I'm throwing it away. It's, I'm like, I went into mourning. Are y'all with me? It's like, so, so we all have this stain that doesn't come out. Let me, let me talk about the lifting, the lifting of the weight, the lifting of the stain. This, in essence, is the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is this. You either are going to die with your stains or you're going to believe someone died for your stains. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and that is what some of you were. He actually lists a whole bunch of statements that are identifiers with where you are and what you do without Jesus, which is what makes us feel guilty is because we've done these things. He says, but that's what you were. But when you receive Christ, he says, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So he actually takes your stained garment from you. What a powerful gift of freedom. And he gives you a robe of righteousness. If you say, could you sum up the Easter story in one verse? There's a lot of verses that are really good. This is one of my favorite. Let me give it to you. It's one of my favorite. God made Jesus to become, he put sin on him. He's the one who had no sin. Look at this verse. He had no sin, but he, he gave Jesus our sin. Jesus became sin for us so that in him, not in ourselves, not by completing some religious ritual, not by trying to turn over a new leaf, not by trying to get better, not by self-actualizing, not by self-help, not by looking internally so that you find yourself. No, 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 in Jesus. In Jesus, it says that in him, we become the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did on the cross and from raising from the dead. In, in essence, that's how you get that burden lifted. Can I just be straightforward with you? You'll never achieve enough. You'll never acquire enough. You'll never do enough good things to deal with that stain and that guilt that weighs on your soul until Jesus sets you free from it. You're gonna carry a burden for the rest of your life. But the good news is you don't have to. He says, let me make an exchange with you. I'll take the weight of your sin and I'll give you the freedom that's found in me. What a great blessing. 
The second thing is, he helps us with rest for our souls because he gives us meaning and purpose in life. He actually gives us meaning to life. Do you know, we're gonna carry things in this life, but when you know what life is all about, when you know the whole purpose behind it all, it gives you endurance, it gives you strength because you understand what life is all about. You have a few options when it comes to life if what you wanna make life all about. I wrote a few of these down this week. The hedonist thinks that it's to experience as much pleasure as there is possible to experience. The materialist thinks it's to acquire and enjoy everything that they can. The narcissist, we would never wanna qualify ourselves or put ourselves in that category, but the narcissist says that I'm gonna filter every decision for my life through my own personal desires, and I'm gonna try to gain as much for me personally. That, that, is, that is some of the worldly options to, to continue. The world message of our culture today is that the reason you're so heavy is you haven't looked internally enough to understand what's internally around and who you are. When you'll discover that, you'll feel lighter and more free, but we have a world more anxious and more depressed because the more you focus on yourself, the more anxious you become because you're doing it yourself. You're carrying it all yourself. We have, we have a, a world full of achievement. We're all that, we're that way. It's just, I don't know if you've ever done this where it's like, get out of my way. It's easier to do it myself than to allow somebody else to help me. It's like, a, I'll fix this. I'll handle this. I'll, I'll do this myself. Mark Twain said, the greatest day of your life is not the day you're born, but the day you figure out why you were put on this planet. And Jesus actually has an answer for why you are here and what life is all about. I love what the Apostle Paul actually tells us. He says this, for it is by grace. This is the biblical option if you wanna know what life's all about. It is by grace you have been saved. In other words, you can't save yourself. It's an unmerited, undeserved gift that comes from heaven. In fact, I can preach, I can tell stories, I can do everything I can to to beg you to receive the gift of Jesus. Here's what I've learned. There's nothing I can say that can convince you. It's when you realize how good he is and how desperate you are to have him. It's a gracious gift of revelation where you go, I'm gonna receive that gift. It's by the grace of God, but it does say that you're saved through faith, so you have to receive it. You have a part to play where you have to say, you know what, I'm gonna receive it from him. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, because if we could save ourselves, then we could boast about it and say, I made it. There's only one person who finished the race and was perfect in their ability to do it, and that's Jesus. He lived the life that you couldn't live so that he could give you the gift of life that you could never earn. He did it. So, I love this because it's when you receive that gift of God's grace that a light bulb comes on, there's a burden lifted off, and now you actually understand what life is all about. And then it says that you begin to understand that you are his workmanship, that you're created by him, you're created for him. He's created before you were ever born things that he's called you to. I saw this in a powerful way with my, my I have three daughters and, and a son. My son's the second. My, my third daughter, Lauren Elizabeth, she and I, a few years ago before she was going into high school, I spent a week with her. 
and um, we, it, was, it was a dad-daughter, it was only dads and daughters, and we spent a week together at this camp, and, and, and I'd I, I love to just like offer this to you as, as just something that I learned in that moment. I, I learned that I was around her, but I didn't see her. You know, the people you love, you may be amazed by this, but the time we actually spend looking in the face of or having meaningful interaction with the people we love because of our busy lives, we, we a lot of times really underestimate how much meaningful interaction we have. And it gave us space, it gave us time, and I'll, I'll never forget there was a thing that they set up where we had this moment where we just spent some time with one another and and I have to tell you, my daughter, who I love, who I have a relationship with, but I saw her in a different way. I had a purposeful, meaningful interaction that was important for me as a dad to shape for her how I saw her, not how she, even as she was a, a, a girl coming into high school and I saw her insecurities, I saw her fears, I, I had a moment to define and, and really push back the enemy's lies for who she was thinking that maybe she, those lies were speaking to her and it was such a powerful thing and it's built our relationship. In fact, we spent some time together last week traveling, looking at colleges and she's looking at a bunch and you know we know the Lord's will is for her to go to Baylor but anyway, so she's thinking she wants to look at some other ones but we know the devil's lying about those. And Anyway, but um, I look back on the foundation of like the gift God gave me to have that moment and, and you say, why are you saying this? I thought you were talking about life's purpose. You're like, well, my dad maybe didn't do that or I haven't had mentors or people in my life. Did you know when you begin to live lightly and freely and you begin to live for who God's called you to be and not the expectation of others, no human being really can actually put that in you at the highest level. Because I'm a, I'm a flawed human and a flawed dad who had a little moment where I learned a lot. But can I just encourage you with something? When you abandon your life to Jesus and you begin to see yourself through the lens of who he's called you to be, it frees you from the expectations that are creating burdens on your life. It frees you. I have nothing to prove. I have no one to impress. I'm living to glorify him. It'll lift burdens off of you. You may not know this, but when you receive Christ, you begin to be enlightened and awakened to, he has things he's called you to, and life has meaning with him. Here's the third thing. He gives us relationships that help us with our burdens. So, so you may not know this, but like when you receive Christ and you accept him, when you go all in with him, he doesn't leave you alone. He, he is your father, he created you, he saves you, you have a relationship with him now, and guess what else he does? He gives you brothers and sisters in Christ. So he begins to put you into relationships that, he, that, that you begin to carry the burdens together, and I don't have time, I'm gonna pray for you in a minute, I don't have time in this service, I could talk for hours and hours on the underestimation of our culture today of the relationships that we need to fulfill. I write on it, I preach on it, you know, I started to call the point the loneliness, you know, that, that he cures our loneliness. But I don't like to use that word because most people, when you use that in our world today, they're like, well, I'm not lonely. 
that, that means that I wasn't picked for the team and I'm, I'm around people and man, I, I got this. No, 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 no. Lonely doesn't necessarily mean that you're not around people. Lonely means that you're around people but you don't have significant relationships in your life that care about you and would be there for you in the middle of your burdens. Do you have those relationships? Actually, there's an epidemic in our culture. With the mobility of our culture, with the technology of our culture, and all of our achieving has produced a more lonely world of isolation. Can I encourage you with something? When people come into a church setting, and I'm preaching this weekend to hundreds and hundreds of people that will come on Easter, and I wanna say this, you may think church is a guy preaching and people singing, that's part of it, but the end goal is not that. The end goal is to put an ethos around your life where you have people, you have brothers and sisters that are a little farther ahead of you that can offer some stuff to you. You have people that have been farther in the journey that can say, hey, here's what we did that we wouldn't do. You have people around you that begin to encourage you and help you. Did you know what the church, the Bible says? We bear one another's burdens. Can I say something to you as a pastor that I see? In fact, I saw this not as a pastor, I saw it as, you know, like it's almost like the, the doctor becomes a patient. In 2010, my dad had a surgery that went bad. He went septic and I was in ICU with him for six months. And I now saw it from a different vantage point as I did a hospital chaplaincy in college. I've spent a lot of time in hospital rooms and places with hurting people. And I'll never forget when I found myself in that setting, I started to realize, man, like if you go through this thing by yourself, that's a tough burden to carry. I, I sit with people in those moments. And let me tell you what you're not talking about in those final moments of your life. You're not talking about your achievements or your 401k. You care about your relationships. You care about the people around you. And in our busy, success-driven life, what we've pushed aside is the anchors of our relationships that we need that help us become who God's called us to be to get to that only to get to that, to realize that doesn't fill the need in our soul. Can I tell you one of the great blessings of Jesus raising from the dead is he's alive today and he's living in the midst of his people. And you'll experience him every time you begin to connect in those relationships and it lifts burdens. Let me say this final thing to you though. I wanna pray for you. Every time I share about you receiving Christ and I give that simple message, this is the simple message of Easter for you this weekend. He's a burden lifter. You can, live, you can leave lighter, you can leave more free wherever you're at, wherever you're listening by video, online, it's available, it's a gift, and all you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I receive it. I think about a man a few years ago who when I shared about Jesus takes our stain he takes our burden, he takes it on himself and gives us that light, free life. And I explained really the essence of the gospel. I walked out to shake hands and there was a man, the first guy that met me, he came up to me with tears in his eyes. He said, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? I, I, no one ever told me this. So every time I stand on this platform on a weekend like this where there's a lot of you who maybe someone never told you this, let me, let me make it as clear as I can. 
I mean, we, 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 do this every, we do this every week. Like, we love to come together, and I, I believe it could help your life to come and learn. I'm gonna be sharing on family the next few weeks. But I know there's people I may not ever see. Let me just share with you this. It is that simple. And it's miserable to do it halfway and to try to please somebody in your religious family tradition and do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, and, and sometimes we're hard-headed and we'll just kind of keep trying to do it and balance it, but let me make you a promise. You'll end up at the end of yourself at some point. Can I encourage you? Don't wait till you end up there to have a Jesus who wants to carry it with you now. It's that simple. That man had tears and I said, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? I've been doing this, trying to make it on my own. No one ever told me. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, it's that simple and it's that powerful. And you say, what do I do? Well, let me give you that opportunity. Just bow your heads with me. It's this simple, Jesus said, it's the gift of salvation. So you have to receive it though. You have to say yes to it. I'm gonna ask no one to move around for just a moment, whether you're watching me by video, you're in Hazlitt, wherever you're at, I'm gonna ask if you would, just everyone just pause. This is somebody's moment. If you're not right with him, if you say, I need to, get right with him. Maybe rededicate your life to him. Maybe for the first time say, I'm really going all in this time, pastor. I'm really just gonna go all in with Jesus. Wherever you're at, here's what he says. Come to me. You're not coming to a religion. You're not coming to an institution. You're coming to a person. His name is Jesus. And he paid an incredible price because he loves you. And you just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I, I, you know where I'm at. You know what I've done. He does, and he loves you right where you are. You just simply say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. That's what we celebrate this Easter. I give you my life. I surrender it all to you. And I want you to become my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. I wanna be right with you. I'm gonna ask everyone just to keep their heads bowed, but if you say, I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor, I wanna know who I prayed with. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you stand up. At all our locations, there's people there ready. I have something I wanna give you. If you would, just slip your hand and say, I prayed that with you. If, if anyone would say that, Pastor, I prayed that. Thank you. Anywhere you're at, wherever you're at, just raise it up high. Keep it up till you get the gift. Raise it up. Everyone else just be praying for those that are receiving this. It's a card I wanna give you. And, and here's what's gonna happen if you raise your hand and say, I prayed that. You're gonna get that card and, and wherever you're at, you'll go out. There's a, a, a booth there called Gift For You. And I have a book that I wrote called Closer and it talks about the, a relationship with Jesus and it'll help you get close to Jesus. And we have a Bible for you and we have some next steps for you. And when we have 101, let me just say this, if you prayed that prayer, this 101 where we have about an hour and a half together, that'd be the greatest thing you could do is come to that because we'll get a chance to meet you and help you start your journey with Jesus. But, but there's those who prayed, if there's, there's anyone else that, that, that said, I prayed, Pastor, anyone else? How many of you here say, well, I know Jesus, Pastor, but I, I, I need to leave this Easter, I, I need that, burden lifting Jesus. You know, we don't just come to him just to become saved. We keep coming back to him and you're like, well, I've just kind of tried to carry it myself and I hadn't brought it to Jesus. 
Jesus wants to lift your burdens this Easter. How many of you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I've got burdens. Raise your hand up high. Anyone that would say that, raise it up, say that's me. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. You know the burden. You know the weight. You said if we're weary, if we're burdened, come to you. And Lord, I pray in a supernatural way you would lift the burdens from the lives of people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.